And welcome back to the Bama Beat Podcast, brought to you by Wickles Pickles. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Brett Hudson. How are you doing this morning, Brett? I'm podcasting from my bed. I don't know that it gets any better than this. Really? The ultimate comfort. Have you been out of your bed? Today, absolutely. Okay. Uh, you know, I still have these babies in the house, and they, they demand to be fed every so often. So, So how is Papa Life? You know, you're adjusting nicely. Yeah, it, it feels normal at this point. Everything feels normal. We got them in a halfway decent routine, so we uh, we make do with what we got. But no, that's it's going it's going well. I've been out of bed. I'm just in bed because we've since we we've recently made the transition from bedside cribs to the cribs in their nursery, and my home office is right next door to the nursery. So I don't want to risk podcasting in there and possibly waking them up. Um, or, or one of them is is awake right now and, and the other is asleep. So I don't want to risk waking the other one up um, being next door. Now they've got the sound machine in there, so I don't think that I would wake them up. But I'm I'm not I'm not risking it. So I'm just chilling in the in the master bedroom for podcasts until I feel better about them napping uh, with, with more going on. But hopefully I'm not recording podcasts from, from the house for too much longer. We'll see. Yeah. And I, th- I guess next week you guys will be out of your house recording. I'm uh, right. going to go check out, a, I think a bar um, yeah, and record live with a local business. I, I mean, I don't know how like set in stone it is, um, but we're, we're working on something with a particular local business where we can do a, an in-person podcast in the near future. I'm sure we'll take all the necessary uh, safety measures and, and everything else since the, the COVID cases are, are skyrocketing in some portions of, of the country, Alabama seemingly included, or at least in Tuscaloosa based on the data Walt Maddox has been, has been giving us right that will happen in the near future when i don't know uh that's a that's a hunter johnson project so i'll i'll let the i'll let the salesman do the the selling and i'll just show up and deliver bad takes when i'm called upon that's fair so today we actually got some you know a a recruiting podcast kind of giving the fans a little bit of an update from that aspect because i think people are starting to get a little bit worried and I know that you've done some research and maybe you can expand and either ease the minds of some of our listeners or create even more concern, but Alabama's ranked just inside the top 50 in overall recruiting class for the 2021 uh, cycle ranked number 10. Uh, It wasn't until a recent commitment that they even jumped uh, a school like Vanderbilt. So there's somewhat of some concern, at least in the eyes of fans. Why don't you get us started with some of the research that you've been doing? Yeah, so I wanted to dive into this, and I'll I'll write something out of this research, too. It'll be posted on Tide Sports um, later Thursday, so the, the podcast will probably go up first, and then the, then the story will go up. Um, I, I did this because I first wrote about Alabama's slow start to recruiting back in, I want to say, early, like early f- April. And then they went on that stretch where they got Anquan Barnes to commit on April 17th. And is it Agaye Agaye Hall? How do you pronounce it? Do you know? A-G-I-Y-E. Do you know how it's pronounced? 
I've been saying the guy at least. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure either. Uh, Hall, the wide receiver from from Florida. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, they got those two guys that commit in back to back days in in mid April, and the and the concern kind of melted away a little bit. But then since then, you've seen Tennessee collect what was the number seventeen commitments since April 10th. And Auburn's gotten five since May 15th. Now, Tennessee's, as we since learned from reporting from The Athletic, was a little bit of strategic uh, announcing and, and silent commitments and, and those types of things. But still, the, those things happened, and, and Tennessee jumped themselves up to second in the recruiting rankings currently. All, all data, by the way, is coming from the 247 Sports Composite. We do it that way because they're a composite of the – other rankings so it's just easier to use that than to kind of bounce between rankings that better or that, that better suit the point you're trying to make it's easier to just find a consensus and, and use that so all data is coming from the 247 sports composite um and since that has happened that the kind of concerns about the slow start to alabama's recruiting have creeped back up again, even though they've gotten Kane Williams and Ja'Cory Brooks to commit. Uh, They got Ja'Cory Brooks, a wide receiver for Miami on May 8th, and Kane Williams, the safety from John Errett in Louisiana um, on May 15th. So even with that, there have been some some concerns popping up. So what I did was I looked at just the state of recruiting and tried to see – where Alabama could add and where it might be more difficult to add if Alabama is going to make that late push to get back into their typical stratosphere of recruiting. And there are some positions where it's going to be, it's going to, it looks good for Alabama to where they're already good at a position and they're going to add more or they should add more based on what Recruiting experts are, are telling us, and there are some positions where it, it just does not look very good right now, and they're going to have to do some somewhat drastic things. So I figured to to keep people from from suffering uh, a huge high followed by a huge low, or, or vice versa, we'll kind of go between back and forth between the positions and, and give people good and bad and good and bad, and, and let that alternate. As long as as long as we can, but I, I will say this: there is a certain there is a certain level you have to reach to make the late push that Alabama wants to make. Right? Like it, you can't just fill out your class, which they're going to have to. They only have five guys in their current recruiting class, but you also have to fill those guys with highly rated. Fill that class with highly rated guys to have that jump in the recruiting rankings. Right? So. What I what I noticed was in the 2015 through 2019 classes, I didn't include 2020 because not all of those guys are enrolled yet. So we don't fully know the results right until they're enrolled and we know what Alabama actually got to campus. So I did the 2015 to 2019 classes. 104 of their 118 high school signees in that time were top 20 in their position. In the 247 sports composite, that's like roughly 88%, I think. So that's kind of the context I looked at when I looked at some of these positions is that's generally where Alabama recruits in the top 20 of their position coming out of high school. So you got to look at those guys and see what's available and what isn't as to where Alabama can can make up some 
some ground. And let's start. Should we start with the good or the bad? Where do you want to go? Let's start with the good. Let's give people something, you know, to look forward to more so. Okay. Uh, a good position would be wide receiver. Uh, they already have two, Hall and Brooks, that we mentioned earlier. Uh, they could add Christian Leary, who is committing on June 6th, or Brian Thomas Jr. Both uh, both apply. So there is there is a case for Alabama's wide receiver position to already look pretty good in, in recruiting since they've got Ja'Cory Brooks, the, the four-star uh, number three wide receiver in the nation in the 247 Sports Composite. He's from Miami. Hall, also from Florida, is a top 75 prospect regardless of position. So he's someone that um, is part of a wide receiver class. It already looks solid for Alabama. Now, a, a drawback would be quarterback. Quarterback looks bleak. Uh, a, a lot of that is because Drake May decommitted and, and went to North or committed to North Carolina. And if you want to add a top level quarterback in the 2020 class, or excuse me, in the 2021 class, your options are slim to none. Only three of the top 20 have yet to commit. Number one, Caleb Williams is a heavy Oklahoma lean. Miller Moss may be the lone candidate. In, in that pool, since Shadur Sanders is technically has an Alabama offer, according to 247, but it, it seems like he's more likely to fall somewhere below that upper echelon that, that Alabama is. So wide receiver looks good, but quarterback, I, I mean, if it's not Miller Moss, I don't know that Alabama is going to add a quarterback in this 2020 recruiting class and if you go back to our conversation when Talia Tungabaloa entered the transfer portal when you're down to three scholarship quarterbacks at that point with Mac Jones, Bryce Young and, and Paul Tyson and you kind of get concerned for depth there or at least some people were concerned about depth there and then you potentially don't add a scholarship quarterback in your 2020 class uh, the the depth of that position could be even more cause for concern if if things stay the way they are right now now of course Alabama could pull a big flip I mean they did it with McClellan uh the running back that was committed to Oklahoma for like a thousand years and then signed with Alabama on on signing day in 2020 so that's very much possible for them but that's more or less what they're going to have to do if they want a scholarship quarterback in the 2020 class unless they are the ones that come away with Miller Moss yeah, and and that's actually a really interesting point. Um, granted, when you talk about how long Drake May was committed to Alabama, I mean it was for a pretty significant amount of time. And what ends up happening, it, it seems to me, and I haven't gone and done a ton of research into this. It's just a surface level thing. I'd have to kind of go in and fact check. So don't take this as the gospel. This is just kind of speculative. But it seems like a lot of times the top-tier quarterbacks in each class go ahead and lock themselves into a school fairly early. Now, right. that does not mean that a uh, player won't flip. Uh, in fact, it happens you know, fairly common. But the fact that a lot of people thought, you know, with Bryce Young coming in in the 2020 recruiting class, they had Drake May uh, already committed for the 2021 class. They had Talia and Paul Tyson already on the roster from the 2019 class. It just seemed like Alabama was very log-jammed at the quarterback position, when you talk about Leah leaving, um, you talk about Drake May making that flip. A lot of these guys had already committed to other schools and were sort of locked in 
by the time the Drake May switch. So then it becomes a little bit more difficult. But Alabama, I'm sure, is still pursuing quarterbacks. But this might have to be one of those years where they decide to go after a grad transfer. You know, they try to do it with uh, Gardner Minshew uh, a couple of years ago. He, he ended up going to Washington State. That ended up being the right call for him. But Alabama could go and try to entertain at least adding another body. It's just it, it's very difficult because if Bryce Young does end up being the guy and let's say a guy like uh, Mac Jones ends up transferring – uh, for his final season, and that's if he sticks around for the 2020 season. It just depends on how that, all that shakes out. But if for whatever reason he leaves, you're talking about being in a pretty bad spot, but you also have your starter completely locked in. Is there going to be a, a capable quarterback who's going to want to come in for his final season or final couple of seasons of eligibility and sit by, and be the number two guy? That's just, you know, a lot of these guys, the reason they're transferring is they're going to try to find a starting spot. So that's a, a dilemma Alabama could find itself in, and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of combat that. Uh, but, you know, we saw it with Florida State. They missed out. You know, Sam Howell was committed to them for quite a while. He made the flip to North Carolina. They were left. They could, they were not able to recover and, and land a quarterback for that particular class, their 2019 class. The year before, I don't think they signed a quarterback. And, you know, up until they got uh, – Hubert, Chuba, uh, not, I'm sorry, that's the running back, Purdy, Chuba, Purdy, Brock Purdy's little brother. Um, you know, that they've, the last couple of years, they've dealt with quarterback depth issues. That could be something that Alabama finds itself in. Now, granted, they should be fine with a starting spot, but might find themselves in, in a pretty poor spot if something were to happen to the starter with Bryce Young. Now, all that's speculative. Nothing's, you know, it's just a potential scenario out of many scenarios that could play out. Right. Uh, another position that looks solid to, to do the same good and bad again, a, a position that looks really good is linebacker. Um, uh, Deontay Lawson, who is, I think the first guy to commit to this class. Yes. He committed in December of 19. Uh, he's the first name on the board for this class. He might be a linebacker. Um, I mean, I've seen two, four, seven change their position, projection on him so he he may end up being a linebacker he's someone that's tough to project uh but Alabama's in pretty good position to add to it Kendrick Blackshear and Xavier Sori are, are two guys that are pretty high on the board Kendrick Blackshear is from Texas Xavier Sori is from Florida if they can finish the job on both of them and add those to Deontay Lawson as a potential linebacker that could be good enough for them uh and i'm sure they would like to get more and if they could that more would most likely be ian jackson who is uh as as we're recording we're recording this thursday morning uh honestly ian jackson might commit as we are recording and there is a, a strong feeling out there that he'll be picking alabama so it's possible that the linebacker position is already looking pretty good assuming alabama can put some solid recruiting jobs on Kendrick Blackshear and Xavier Sori to, to finish those processes. But by the time we're done recording this, they could already have another linebacker in the fold in Ian Jackson. Right. And, and you know, that's a guy that I really like. He's a little bit undersized right now, but you're talking about a guy who could add, continue to add weight. He's got a lot of speed and range kind of fits the mold of a linebacker that you would want in today's college football. So, Adding a guy like Ian Jackson here in you know roughly 15, 20 minutes potentially, uh, that would be huge for Alabama's class. Uh, top two fifty guy, four star, 
and they're starting to pick up some momentum. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it just seems like over the last month, month and a half, they're not doing or taking the same route that Tennessee has, where it's like every day it seemed like for like two weeks they were adding a new commitment. They're, you know, it's it's a slow and steady approach, but the guys that they're adding are very quality. I'm not saying that Tennessee's not adding quality guys. I understand people are knocking their class for having a bunch of three stars, but um, you know, they're they're adding quality players regardless of if they're adding the three stars as well. And we've seen plenty of three stars develop into really good players. So it's not that Tennessee doesn't have a good class. It's just Alabama's taking a different approach, and it's not that they, you know, I'm also not saying, oh, they they could easily be doing what Tennessee's doing right now, and they're just choosing not to. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just a, you know, the, the way that they're handling this recruiting class, it's a little bit different, and it's not, you know, just this uh, this storm of commitments, but the guys that they're adding are guys who are going to be able to contribute and they've had, you know, I think the days of Alabama, you know, going seven years in a row with the number one recruiting class, those days are long gone. And it was actually a very rare occurrence for that to even happen the first time around. And that was great for Alabama. They won a lot of na- uh, national championships off of that. The playing field is being evened a little bit, but that is Alabama should continue to be completely involved in the conversation for having, you know, one of the top classes. I just think you're going to have certain years where they don't finish necessarily as strong and the consistency won't be as good. But I think that will just open up the door for, you know, next year's class and things like that to be even better because guys are seeing more opportunities. You know, when you talk about we, we're, we're specifically talking about the quarterback position, but you can expand that to the running backs with the three that Alabama added, what they're returning with Najee Harris and Trey Sanders and Keelan Robinson. That's a huge, you know, if you're a running back right now in the 2021 class and you're seeing all that, I understand Najee Harris is a senior, Brian Robinson's a senior, but you're still seeing that trio of guys that just committed. It, it's a little bit more difficult. You know, it, it, I think that, it, and that adds to what Alabama is able to do in certain classes. Um, you don't see too many edge players right now that they're going after, and I'm sure you'll get to that here in just a second and can expand and and whatever. But they added four very high quality edge players in the 2020 class. More than likely, if you're an edge guy in the 2021 class, you're looking at that and saying, I, I might not get a chance to really play until you know. That doesn't mean that you're not confident in your ability to get on the field. A lot of these guys are very confident, but you're also looking for an opportunity to play for a really good program. You see the Georgias and the Clemsons and the LSU starting to emerge as being very good, consistent programs. And then you're also saying, okay, at that particular position, they've got a lot of bodies. This, you know, you know, LSU lost a ton of guys off of last year's defense and offense. LSU is a great place to go right now, even though they have guys who they've been recruiting well and are kind of ready to step up into those starting spots from the surface. It looks like they're replacing a ton and that might be appealing. It's just, I guess what I'm saying, and I might be saying this a little early in this podcast, I don't think there's any reason to overreact to what's been happening with Alabama's current recruiting class. Well, I was going to do this at the end, but since you brought it up, we might as well go ahead and, and touch on it and then get back to the position by position later on. I am I think I can make a case that this will be a smaller class for, for Alabama and thus its top – its recruiting rankings potential could be limited for that reason. As you mentioned with the edge guys, they signed six of them. In, in the last class, and all of them are, are highly rated. Like I think, I think Q Robinson might be the the lowest rated edge signee, and he was a top one hundred guy in in the nation, regardless of position. So you get 
that many highly rated edge guys on campus in one class. It's going to be difficult to do that again in the ensuing class. They did reasonably well at other positions, too. They got a cornerback, uh, Jaquez Robinson, who was already on campus by uh, bowl prep time. They got the, You mentioned the huge pull of, of running backs, a position we'll get to for the 2021 class later on, um, including the inside linebacker position. It was It was six edge and inside linebackers. You get six um, at, at those spots. You do really well at safety. Uh, this might just be a 2021 might just be a solid, a, a small class in and of itself because you, you take on those heavy recruiting gains in the 2020 class and you add on to it that by my count, Alabama only has, I think, 11 scholarship seniors on this year's roster. And this doesn't project to be a roster that loses a ton early to the NFL draft. Like if you had to, if you had to pick guys, if you were forced to say right now who is and is not leaving early for the NFL draft in 2021, I think my list would probably begin and end with Sertan, Waddle, and Moses. Would you add anyone to that? Ooh. Um, off the top of my head, no. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Paul, give yourself a minute. Pull up the roster and, and make sure, because uh, again, my my eleven scholarship seniors is a guess. Uh, scan over that real quick to make sure that you, you agree know, with that, and, and then may, look at the juniors. Yeah, maybe uh, um, if, maybe a Christian Barmore, maybe being a third year player, he would have to have a Quinton Williams type of rise. Some people are predicting that. I don't necessarily know that I'm there. I don't think Deontay Brown is a a senior, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's a redshirt junior, um, but he's another guy that might get to that point. But those are very iffy on both of those guys. So that's the only ones off the top of my head that I could think. Oh, Deontay's of. a senior. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. Well, then at that point, you know, we're looking at a situation where he's gone regardless. So, yeah. Uh, right now, the only guy I could think of then would be Christian Barmore. Yeah, uh, and, and I guess he and Fidarian Mathis are both candidates to have that just wild Quinnen Williams-like breakout year and leave. But again, it would it would take something that was almost unprecedented before Quinnen Williams did it. We only have that timeline in mind because we've seen it so recently. Otherwise, it, it, it doesn't happen all that often. So there's eleven. There's a roughly eleven scholarship seniors on on the roster. And there aren't a ton of juniors that we project to go to the NFL draft early. So add all of those things together. And I I mean, I realize that in the age of the transfer portal that the NFL draft and graduation are not the only ways that you get attrition in college football. But having a small start like that is is a start to having a smaller recruiting class than than normal and i'm am i making a decent case here is it believable that alabama could sign a smaller recruiting class in 2021 which would a uh give alabama good reason to not be in the top three of the recruiting rankings this year but also b explain the slow start that they've had and only having five guys as we talk now at the end of may yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it was just like a couple of years ago. I think they finished with a number six overall class, and everybody was up in arms. And then the very next year, last year, they finished with a number two class and kind of were nipping at the heels for that number one spot. 
Um, but yes, the way that it was approached a couple of years ago is they just didn't have nearly as many commitments because they didn't have the roster space available. And, you know, Alabama, based off of needs, they also want to leave the flexibility based off of who does end up maybe leaving early or certain spots that are going to lose a lot of guys when you're talking about losing to high-quality um receivers in this past year's class with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Then you turn around and you're losing Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle potentially. You know, having that in back to back classes, so you know, the granted they've recruited the wide receiver position well for this particular class. And I think this is that's a big reason why. But then also, you know, let's say that they didn't have some of those commitments. That would be a spot they would immediately say, okay, we need to go out and we need to add more depth with a couple of either at least one maybe even two grad transfers and we saw that with uh, ronald williams he was a guy who was targeted as a juco guy not really a grad transfer but uh as a juco prospect because alabama was losing a lot of experience in the secondary and he's like okay we, we need more depth here and a guy who can come in and contribute immediately so you saw him go in and add some juco guys and i guarantee you as we start to get through the season and you start identifying okay you know let's say christian barmore is kind of raising uh, his draft status or climbing the draft rankings. Granted, they're very deep at defensive line, but let's say that hypothetically they weren't. At that point, he starts to get an idea of, okay, who could potentially be leaving, what we're actually going to be uh, missing after this year. And then they really start to identify JUCO prospects that they want at that point. You're going to see a lot of mixing and matching, trying to make this work. But from a number standpoint, I completely agree with you. I think that it's more so they're being a lot more selective because they can see down the road and – they understand that there's limited spots available. And the guys that they're adding, you know, no offense to Tennessee because, like I said, they they have a great recruiting class, nine, I think like nine four-stars and a five-star. So over half of their commitments are, you know, really, really good players. I think they also have, you know, double digits as far as three-star prospects. Alabama at this point, they're not really, I don't think, accepting a lot of those guys because they're more so looking at the limited spots they have available. There's nothing. There's one three-star that's committed and the rest are four-stars. And if Ian Jackson commits, that's another four-star. So it's just a different approach. Right. And, and again, there's a there's a case to be made for it and, and the numbers. And, I mean, there's only so much you can say definitively when you're talking about a recruiting class in May. Uh, but there there is a way to project Alabama to a smaller class that ends up finishing lower in the recruiting rankings than Alabama typically finishes, but accomplishes the job that the recruiting class needs to accomplish. And that's what, that's what Alabama needs in, in the end. Anyway, we'll get back to the position by position thing of the 2021 recruiting class. When we come back on the Bama beat podcast and we're back on the Bama beat podcast brought to you by Wickles pickles. You know what Wickles are an excellent addition to, a barbecue sandwich. You, you often get pickles on barbecue sandwiches anyway, just for the flavor palette. But with a wickle, you get a little bit of spice in there that really adds something to that that barbecue sandwich. It's a it's a good way to live. Wickles does much more than just pickles, though. It's relishes, okras. There's a sandwich spread. You can go a bunch of different ways with it. Go to wicklespickles.com to learn all about their pickles products. Wickled. Pick, wickles pickles let's get wicked on this here pickles podcast let's get back to the recruiting aspect of things and we're going to continue looking at what alabama can do and might have more difficulty doing in improving its current status in uh in the standings in the 2021 recruiting class which 
what do you say they're 48th right now? Yeah, they're 48th and then number 10 in the SEC. Very strange, very strange circumstance for for Alabama. But uh, again, there are ways where they can they can make it up and and look a lot better. So we mentioned that wide receiver is is one of those situations. Linebacker is one of those situations, which again could be improving any minute now as we're recording this with if Ian Jackson does commit to Alabama as we anticipate but there are also some higher rated linebackers that could join that fold so we've done two good and and one bad we mentioned you mentioned running back earlier when you were going over uh some reasons for a smaller class in in 2021 and running back is is absolutely that Alabama's in on a few top running backs Kamar Wheaton and Devon Edwards or uh, Donovan excuse me, I misread it. Donovan Edwards are, are, are two names that, that come to mind. They both have Alabama offers. Uh, Wheaton seems to be leaning Oklahoma again, according to 247 Sports. But there's also an in-state prospect, Jalen White. He's from Dothan. Alabama could go to him if they if they need to. But running back is a position where there isn't a ton to add, add there. Um, now let's get back on, on the good side of things. Safety is a position that, that seems to be going Alabama's way. They have Kane Williams from Louisiana, a a really strong uh, high school program there in John Eric. They could also add Terry and Arnold from Tallahassee. They're favored to, to add him. You just know that's going to be a tough one for Alabama to finish because he's in Tallahassee. Florida state has a new coaching staff in place that all the energy and momentum that comes with a, with a new coaching staff. And since he's a Tallahassee product, you know, Florida state's going to throw everything at him to get him. Um, but safety is, is one that already looks good because since they have Kane Williams aboard and if they finish the job with Terry and Arnold, that'll be, that'll be a good one. But a, a downside would be we mentioned quarterback, we mentioned running back, and I think I could make a case for corner being a little bit of a downside right now because they seem to have put all their eggs in the Jaquincy McKinstry basket, which understandable, like that's a heck of a player, but that's almost a must-get. It's a must-get from a talent perspective because he's excellent, but it's also a must-get from a numbers and a class perspective because there aren't a ton of top-line corner options available to Alabama outside of Jaquincy McKinstry. So they're kind of in a serious battle for Jaquincy. And if they don't get him, there may not be a top line corner in this class unless they hit the transfer portal or they do what they did with Ronald Williams and go get a, a Juco guy. But if you're looking at a high school corner in the 2020 class, if it's not Jaquincy McKinstry, it's going to be tough to find one from the high school ranks in this class. Yeah. And and when you talk about combining that with kind of the limited amount of additions at corner last year, Jaquez Robinson, uh, a, a right. four-star guy, but kind of a more lowly rated four-star guy. I know that the coaching staff liked him a lot and he was committed for quite a while. Um, but then, like you said, Ronald Williams was a Juco guy. They went out and got, they were going after the, uh, um, I don't, I don't remember his name. Uh, it was a very odd name that ended up committing to Missouri uh, that the coaching staff Enos was Rake very – say what? Enos Rakestraw. Yeah, Rakestraw. Um, that was a guy that I know the coaching staff – even though he's a three-star, they were going heavily after him because they wanted more bodies at that position, and mm-hmm. they felt like he was an underrated three-star prospect. This year, 
Um, you know, when you combine what happened with that class and what's currently happening with this class, there could be some cause for concern there if they aren't able to land some of these guys that they're going after. Yeah. Um, now the, the two, I mean, I'll, I'll quickly touch on tight end. Um, there, there's one target there, Hudson Wolf, uh, that they could get, but I mean, I've, I've made my opinion pretty clear on, on the tight end positions, uh, on the tight end position in Alabama. I, I didn't think they really needed one from a numbers perspective. So if they don't sign a tight end in, in this class, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. They have Jalil Billingsley. They brought Caden Clark on in the 2020 class. Uh, they still have Major Tennyson and Miller Forrestal and Carl Tucker from North Carolina in on uh, on this class. So, or, or on this year's team. And, and there are other depth options there as well. Cameron Latou, of course. So I don't know that they need a tight end in this class, although they are in on one in, in Hudson Wolf and others. But if, if Hudson Wolf goes elsewhere, I personally don't think it's that big a deal for the class. Uh, but I think the two positions that most embody the position Alabama's in right now, which is that they, they're not in like dire straits, but they need to make up some ground to get to where they normally are. I think the two positions that most embody that are the offensive line and the defensive line. So let's start with the offensive line. Uh, I mean, they, they need offensive linemen in the class. Obviously everyone does, and they don't have, they don't have an offensive line in the class yet. Do they? No, they, they don't. So they, they got to get some offensive line bodies up there and there are options at that elite level. That, that Alabama typically recruits at, but they're they're getting slimmer. Jaden Roberts is one who committed to Auburn on Wednesday, so that's one option gone. There are the Brockermeyer twins in uh, in Fort Worth who are highly rated, some of the, the best offensive linemen um, in the nation, according to the 247 Sports Composite. Tommy Brockermeyer is the top offensive lineman uh, in the class, and his twin brother, I believe it's James, Yes, James Brockermeyer um, is also uh, a top offensive lineman in the class. They are the Brockermeyer twins are the son of a former Texas offensive lineman, so that plays into things. But Alabama is listed as a finalist for both of them. Uh, Auburn is also in that mix as well. So the Brockermeyer twins are an option. There are some other ones: Amarius Mims, J.C. Latham, and Terrence Ferguson are, are names to know, but. Top-line offensive linemen, they're there for the taking. But if Alabama doesn't get that very small class of available top-line offensive linemen that more or less ends with the Brockermeyer twins, again, there's Amarius Mims, J.C. Latham, Terrence Ferguson, even a, a lesser case to be made for a Tristan Lee. They're there, but if they miss on those top guys – that's where the recruiting class starts to come in trouble, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, and that's another position when you talk about what they did last year. What we've been used to seeing is Alabama has always added, you know, it seems like they always have a five-star offensive tackle in the class. It seems like um, they always have a couple, at least a couple of four-stars kind of backing it up, and then you might have a three-star or two. Um, they typically like to sign a lot of offensive linemen. And last year, uh, Seth McLaughlin, um, you had Damian George, and then, of course, Javion Cohen was the only four-star. 
who was committed. Um, they just, you know, they added, I think, you know, bodies for depth and guys that were very good developmental prospects. I think all three of those guys long-term could end up being starting material. I really do. Um, but you just didn't have any, any sort of the typical headliners. When you combine that with where they're at currently with the offensive line, that's another one um, that they really need to try to address because, you know, you talk about Georgia and what they've done. They were replacing a ton of their starting offensive linemen from last year, including two first-round guys in Isaiah Wilson and Andrew Thomas. They have Solomon Kinley, Cade Mays, another former five-star guy. He ended up leaving and going to Tennessee. So they're having to replace several people, but they've recruited the offensive line so well over the last few years. They have plenty of options. And right now, Alabama has plenty of options as far as because of classes that they recruited two years ago and three years ago and things like that, they've got plenty of depth. When you talk about just two years ago with that class, they added, you know, um, you know, Pierce Quick was a five-star according, I think, Rivals. They added Evan Neal. They added Amari Kite. Um, you know, uh, Tanner Bowles was another guy. Darian Dalcourt. They just they loaded up on the position and, and really set themselves up nicely. But you need to continue to add bodies in each and every class up front offensively. And I, I hope that that's something that Alabama continues to try to do. Uh, by the way, we were we were right. Uh, the linebacker Ian Jackson from Prattville has committed to to Alabama while we were recording this podcast. So the the linebacker position was already looking good, and now it uh, now it looks a little better. Uh, we probably need to wrap this up so I can go uh, type up that story and and get some coverage up on TieSports.com. Defensive line, uh, they have Anquan Barnes on Deontay Lawson could turn into an edge guy, so he might. Uh, he might play into that. He's listed at 6'3", 217. But uh, much like the offensive line, even more so, I think, this is where Alabama can get the most done on the defensive line. Damon Payne is a five-star from Michigan. Mason Smith is a five-star from Louisiana. Dallas Turner is a four-star from Florida. Monkel Goodwine, fantastic name. Four-star from Maryland. Shamar Turner is a four-star from Texas. Uh, TJ Bowlers is a four-star from Illinois and Ramsey High School in Birmingham has two four-stars on campus, Jeremiah Williams and Tim Keenan. So they have some already in, in Anquan Barnes and potentially Deontay Lawson, but there is a lot of top-line talent available on the defensive line for, for Alabama. And that's where they have the most at their hands. That's where they have the most available to them is, is on the – the defensive line. Um, so offensive line and defensive line, again, to kind of remake the point I made to start this, I think they most embody Alabama's current recruiting position because, yes, they, they don't have a ton, and they are behind in, in terms of their competition. As you mentioned, 48th in the nation, 10th in the SEC in the recruiting rankings right now. But they have options out there. They are just in that kind of territory where the margin of error is kind of slim because they can't swing and miss on one and go get the next one. They're at the point where, except on the defensive line, as, as we mentioned, there's, there's a bunch out there, but they can't swing and miss because if they swing and miss, they're going to have to step down in their talent level to a range that they typically don't at, at these positions. And I think offensive line and defensive line embody that pretty well. I think you've actually summed this up perfectly. And I think that, you know, from when you look at it from the perspective of, you know, Alabama's going to have a little bit of a smaller class, I think that's something that everybody should go ahead and expect. And that means that it's probably not going to finish as a top five class. But when you look at the quality of the players that they're adding, when you look at the fact, um, 
at past classes, there's a few positions of concern where if you start stacking them, and we talked about with the offensive line and cornerback, um, that, yeah, there is some reason for concern if they're not able to add at least a couple of pieces that are not just bodies, but guys who they feel like can develop or turn into high-quality SEC players eventually. Um, outside those two spots, I think they've recruited pretty well at certain spots where they're set up nicely, quarterback being another one that's a little bit of a concern due to transfers. Uh, but I'm, I, I haven't been overly concerned about this Alabama recruiting class. I don't think that fans should be. Um, I, I think they're going to end up being you know, fine. And for anybody that wants to see the number one next to their recruiting ranking, it's not going to happen. You know, or a, a ton would have to happen in order for them to finish with the top class. And I just don't really see that being a feasible option right now. But as long as they finish with a top 10 class, somewhere in between, you know, even five and 10, I think that's a win for Alabama. I think it's what they're looking for. Um, and they'll get a lot of key contributors out of that class. So I think everything's going to be good at the end of the day, but I appreciate you hopping on here with me to give an update as far as all the recruiting stuff that's going on. Hopefully, at least in some ways, you've kind of alleviated some of the concern with some fans. Uh, but, you know, we, we're going to need to do this again soon because Alabama's continuing to kind of improve, and maybe we'll give an update in a few weeks talking about where they're at versus where they were at when, you know, with, when we did this podcast. But just give periodic updates on where things stand um, throughout the offseason. And then as we start getting into the season, I think we're going to try to do a little bit more with recruiting, just keeping people up to date, what to expect, why they're doing certain things, is there reason for concern, why they shouldn't be concerned, you know, whatever it ends up being. But, uh, Brett, I really appreciate you hopping on here with me today, man. Yeah, man. If I had to, if I had to boil the last 40 40- 40 minutes down to a sentence or two, I would say they're behind, but they have room to catch up. That being said, if you see them swing and miss two more often or or much more often than they already have in this class, then that's when the real signs for the real, the real justification for concern comes. So they, yes, they're behind. Yes, they have time to catch up, but that time to catch up is is kind of shrinking on them. That would be the way I'd boil down the last 40 minutes into a couple of sentences. Yeah, and, and just the timing, we didn't plan it this way, but right here in the middle of it, Alabama lands a four-star prospect to its 2021 class, and it's a very important one in Ian Jackson, so that couldn't have worked out any better. Um, You're welcome, Alabama. We clearly had something to do with that. Absolutely, uh, and, and you know, Like I said, brother, always appreciate you taking some time hopping on here with me. Always good talking to you. I hope you and and the little ones and the misses are all doing well as we continue on through somewhat quarantine life. Hopefully it doesn't last forever. Uh, We're kind of slowly but surely reaching the point where maybe we can get back to the studio and and start recording in person. And once that happens, um, I'm looking forward to being able to hang out. But like always, it's it's been a lot of fun, man. Yep, I'm going to go give a bottle to somebody or or someone probably fair enough all right well that's going to wrap it up for another episode of the bama beat podcast brought to you by wickles pickles